0: A warning to all listeners, this is a podcast about movies. There will be spoilers, obviously. If you don't want to know what happens in a movie whose title appears in the title of the podcast, you shouldn't listen, obviously.
1: Heed our advice. Welcome to For the Love of Pavlov. Mm. I'm Katie. I'm Norm. And we're here to talk about some animals in some movies.
0: Specifically, this week, Katie got to make the pick.
1: And I both relish and also hate that I picked this movie. So my stellar A plus gold star Oscar winning movie I chose is MVP. Most valuable primate from 2000. Riding on the heels of Airbud.
0: No, 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 not riding on the heels like, of. Like
1: actually part of the Airbud universe. Of,
0: <laughs> and this is, you know, they do the vanity title cards before the movie starts, so you know, everybody who had a thick greasy hand in making the <laughs> oh film. My God. And one of the title cards for this one is Airbud Entertainment. And the vanity card is just the cover of Airbud, <laughs> just like a VHS rectangle of a golden retriever dunking
1: Something like that. I just—it was great because neither of us knew like this is a thing. And then after the shock wore off in about five seconds, it was just like, oh man, we we knew what, what have we, we were done? in for.
0: <laughs> so apparently, after so. Airbud, which everybody knows, Airbud, golden retriever raised by a clown, he can bounce balls through hoops.
1: I'm sure we'll co- we will cover Airbud at some point.
0: We're going to cover Airbud at some point. And I knew that they had a lot of like direct to video and. Direct to what was then the Disney Channel and is now Disney Plus. <laughs> spinoffs where, you know, Airbud ate back in action.
1: Well, and, and then you get the ones where all the puppies died during production, but that's a whole other thing. It's
0: probably a small piece of all of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they took the concept, they took the premise of, you know, Buster Keaton, two things you don't do in Hollywood <laughs> work with children or work with animals. And they said, no, no, both, <laughs> both which seems a little late in the 80s for that much coke to be influencing movie production decisions but there they went they did it they did <laughs> it folks Charlton Heston they blew it up Airbud Entertainment
1: they did it and then they infected our childhood with it
0: I mean I don't think I saw any of these after Airbud and I loved Airbud and I knew because you're a logical
1: person I didn't see any either from after Airbud
0: so I don't know how far into the weeds you've gotten with what Warner Bros is doing these days but they basically make movies and then just write them off as losses on their taxes. Really? Which, for those of you keeping track is taxpayer subsidized movie production. But it's movies you can never see because they're supposedly so bad they had to declare it a loss rather than release it. Well, that's t- two of these have happened recently. One is Batwoman in the Batman film franchise. Yeah, they made an entire film. Live action Batwoman. It's a real movie and we'll never see it.
2: Sexist pigs.
0: Because, well, there's probably a lot of reasons why this happened, but you're not wrong. (laughs) The other one, and this is the one that I'm really incensed about and it looks like the one that might turn the corner. Goober. I am so excited. No, you, you do not know what this is. Okay. John Cena. Okay. The wrestler, actor, personality record holder in yep. make a wish wishes made he participated in a live action looney tunes crossover I was event
1: I say are you talking about coyote really
0: coyote versus yes! the roadrunner a been legal following. drama in the spirit I of have space been following jam I this <laughs> yes it's the same thing because supposedly it's quite good and they're just like but it's so niche and it's so no. fringe We can't make a billion dollars. No. And if you can't make a billion dollars, you can't make a movie.
1: All the way off. Looney Tunes are timeless. I have a soft spot. Roadrunner Coyote was my 1,000% favorite.
0: Yeah, yeah. These
1: folks need to just you know look at what the people want and the people want Coyote Roadrunner, okay?
0: I can't tell you the things that I would do to be able to see this film. But here's the thing. <laughs> timeless is great, but... If you're Star Wars, you're printing a billion dollars every time you publish a movie. Wile Coyote versus the Roadrunner, a live action slash 2D animated crossover event with John Cena. There's a lot of niches being pulled together here.
1: And you said it's a legal drama thing.
0: It's V, like Batman v Superman. He's okay. bringing a complaint oh my to God. the state. No, 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 so no. So it's like
1: Who Framed Roger
2: Rabbit? Are you
0: not aware? This is the premise. So you know the premise of every wily coyote roadrunner cartoon Obviously. ever. Obviously. He he comes up with some contrived scheme and he buys an Acme product and it blows up in oh his my face. Oh god. So the legal the courtroom drama.
1: I didn't realize it was Is the coyote
0: room. suing Acme Corporation <gasps> for all of the failed devices that have blown up in his face? I
1: would do horrific illegal things to see this. Right here, right now. Exactly. (laughs) MVP, why is
2: this?
0: (laughs) Because the horrific Uh, legal thing being done is it being written off as a loss, declared unreleasable because it's just so bad there's no way they could make their money back. So we're all paying to not see it. Well,
1: this is a downer, and you know what? In this (laughs) this episode, (laughs) it's only more down from here. Right. Because we have this, oh, 90s feel-good movie with a chimp, and I'm about to take it. To the depths of hell. Well,
0: you're gonna take <laughs> us there. I feel like the movie probably took itself there.
1: The movie's like, not self aware enough to know what trajectory it was on.
0: You know I don't like to hate things. And I hate Same. to hate movies. Because yeah. someone, even in an in air quotes bad movie, there's a lot to recommend it. Yeah. A lot goes into it. A lot mm-hmm. is interesting.
1: People were invested in it.
0: And then They're there's Airbud Entertainment. And it's so clearly <laughs> it it feels Wrong to call it a cash grab because they probably are going to write off Wiley Coyote versus Acme Corps or versus the Roadrunner or whatever it's not going to be called for more money than this made. And it's a real shame because you know there's there is some craft to be found here, but for the life of me, I cannot tell you what this is about. And I don't mean I don't know what happens because I watched it and I'm not sure I'm better off for having watched it, but thematically. I cannot tell you what this is about. Yes, there are children. Yes, they face what they perceive as adversity. Mm -hmm. And yes, animals help them play sports better. No, they don't. Animals play sports better than they do, but they're excited to be shown up by these animals (laughs) for whatever reason. And then the animal goes off to a better place, and they attain a a more complete sense of personality. To a better
1: place. It sounds like
2: they're being euthanized.
0: Almost certainly. (laughs) But in in the space of this film, if it's your job to talk about animal psychology and animal behavior and Mm -hmm. science, and it's my job to say, well, you make compromises against fact and science in the name of art and theme. I cannot tell you what theme I am supposed to be identifying or defending here.
2: Yeah. There's just
0: nothing. There's
1: nothing. It's a whole blah of a story. And I think when we were watching it, both. Both my animal side of things and your movie side of things, we both very quickly together were like, wow, to make it seem like this chimp is actually doing things, this is just cut really fast paced Yeah. so that you don't notice that literally nothing is happening.
0: And I it's really hard for me to tell how much of it is me liking movies, so I pay attention to things like editing, even though the best editing is the, the type that you don't notice because yeah. it just serves the the flow of the film. This editing
1: was like a strobe light right in my face. Well, that's the
0: only acting going on in the movie? You've got a (laughs) bunch of kids who don't even know which way the camera's pointed. And then you've got this poor, well, probably not this poor, right? Probably a nameless, faceless collection of a half dozen or more chimps who were each trained on a specific action.
1: It was three separate chimps.
0: Only three.
1: Louie, Mac, and Bernie.
0: Louie, Mac, and Bernie. The chimpanzee answer to the three stooges. And they clearly have their their little specialties, right? Some make yeah. facial expressions on command.
2: Mm-hmm. Some,
0: you know, can interact with props because they have some dressing and undressing scenes mm-hmm. or pushing a button scenes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, they they all kind of have their, their gimmick. And because they're not human, we don't recognize them as different creatures. So <laughs> they all look like they're playing the same person. So basically built-in animal stunt double. Mm-hmm. But the editing is the only thing that makes this film work because... You know, you, you crack your whip and the ape pushes the elevator door button and you just have that hard cut and then spliced in between that is close up foot. It's all shot in close up Yep. because in a wide frame you'd see the trainers and you'd see the stage moms and you'd see all the handlers and the, you know, lawyers and insurance adjusters standing (laughs) by. So the whole thing is shot between medium and close up. And there's just no story because it's all they can do to piece together these shots of very specific actions by the chimpanzee player and very specific actions by the child players. Mm -hmm. It's barely a movie. And it's 90 minutes of that. It was the longest 90 minutes. Three times too long. It's like the
1: longest 90 minutes that I think I've endured, at least in a long time. I don't know if ever, but like it's hard to recollect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because these are the types of ninety minute sequences that the mind tends to forget because they're just so unpleasant. <laughs> yes. But we took notes. God, I don't know why I we I think did. most
1: of my notes are anger because if you look at them, there's a lot of red <laughs> 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 And when I, Oh, there's some, some caps happening here. Like so
0: Because uh, of the nature of the show, one of the things that we try to look into is anthropomorphization. And Is Airbud Entertainment doing anything other than monetizing anthropomorphic animals in different, I guess, athletic situations? I
1: love that you bring that up, because as we were watching this, I was like, you know, this is kind of a gray area as far as our whole anthropomorphization role, because it's like, it's a real chimp. There's not really, like, talking happening, but they're doing the whole, like, he's going through this human routine, and he's like, his besties are other humans, and... He looks at a picture of another chimp that we know is some relative and he looks sad, like wistful and just, yeah, it's, it's, w- it's a weird gray area.
0: It is a weird gray I thought that not having the background in animal psychology that you do because this isn't, the chimpanzees aren't doing that much acting
2: mm-hmm.
0: in yeah. terms of, because part of the framing device in this is where does the chimpanzee come from and why is he so smart and how can he interact safely with humans, Right. We have the animal, we have the human characters, and at some point they have to intersect. So what's what's the framing device here?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, the chimpanzee is, and it's a little vague, probably deliberately so, but <laughs> he's some kind of research subject yeah. in a university.
1: Yeah, it looked like it was a language-related study with this professor at the university.
0: <laughs> well, it must be. Because the because, ape
1: knew how to sign.
0: Well, the, the the chimpanzee, yeah, the ape knew how to sign. But the way that it's presented is like a, a morning talk show. Because yes,
1: it's very strange how the, it's presented.
0: The chimp uh, Jack that? is yes, the name Jack. of our ch- our main chimp character. Mm-hmm. Jack and Kendall, who is apparently the professor in this course yes. or this, yeah, is Dr. It a course. Kendall is it a program?
2: The what is, the is, f- is ever a PhD? It is. No because it's
0: kind of like a lecture. It's room. a lecture hall. It's yeah, a lecture.
1: university. Sh-
0: sh- well, <laughs> part of it. Part of it is stadium seating, lecture hall, like yeah. you would expect in a university, and the other half is daytime talk show.
1: When I was watching this, the way that they framed the daytime talk show stage and Dr. Kendall sitting next to Jack, honestly, I read like huge ventriloquism vibes.
0: Yes, <laughs> I, no, I thought it was going to be because in Airbud, the original Airbud, the mm-hmm. the namesake of the production company, it's this you know, implied alcoholic, abusive clown Mm -hmm. who does this ball and hoop show with his golden retriever. And it's presented as a good thing that Bud runs away and gets air on a high school basketball court for some reason. Mm -hmm. And so in this, it's kind of like, okay, how are they going to make the chimp run away and meet the unlikely hero or heroine? In this case, a little bit of both. And it wasn't an abusive situation because... They did a talk show slash
1: Whatever morning, it was.
0: PhD. Well,
1: in, in addition to Dr. Kendall, he had his buddy Darren.
0: Darren, oh
2: yeah. Like,
1: actually, good person, had Jack's best interests, like hung out with him, was yeah. just a good person in his life. They right. made that level of consistency and positivity that Jack needs.
0: Okay, so let's, let's draw this out real quick, just so, yeah. so people have context.
1: Real quick story. The story
0: here is, There's a chimpanzee in a research program at a university. The professor dies. He finds out about it and runs away with the help of the local janitor who gets him on a bus and and sends him across country. And the
1: reason that this is happening is that once that professor died, like the head of the university finds out and is like, well, now that that program's done, I can do my insert random sketchy project type research. research. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they're getting him away so that he doesn't have to be subject to
2: that.
0: Yeah. They know that the research he's going to be a part of is going to be unethical. So the janitor, who's just kind of always around because he's there. He's mm-hmm. there first thing at night. He seems to live there because he's there first thing at night. And he's there first thing in the morning to put coffee for is the morning show.
2: Isn't
0: it? Boy, they were really ahead of their time. So anyway, the, the janitor helps him escape. He meets a young non-hearing girl because... She, that's yeah. why she knows well, sign language. He hel- and so her brother Jack, who plays hockey. Yeah,
1: they helped Jack escape, but he misses his train stop in California and ends up in Bumblef***, Canada.
0: Right. And hockey so he, country. he's
1: not even supposed to be there. Not even
0: supposed to <laughs> and be he shows here. Up,
1: and chimps are so sensitive to the cold, it's really not okay. That
0: they made it look like this chimp was skating. Yeah.
1: This, yeah. Like, really, and they were, this chimp was skating and it was like, just so uncomfortable. It, I can't believe that they subjected this animal that clearly well, it's, is not cold tolerant, into like an intelligent animal, you know?
0: It's that moment when you're making a movie about the evils of animal abuse, and you're trying to make the point that animals are smart and emotionally intelligent, mm-hmm. and they're just like us. And almost without question, you've got a cast of multiple chimpanzees playing Jack, yeah, And they're probably all being abused on yeah. the standard of what a chimp would rather be doing at any given yeah. moment in its life.
1: It's crazy because I tried to look into how they trained these chimps for this movie, and I couldn't find anything. They did another MVP because you have to make it a chance. Trans- <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: you Don't have to turn mistaken. it into a franchise. No, it's not MVP, MVP 2. It's Most Valuable Primate, the hockey-playing chimpanzee. Yeah. And most
1: vertical vertical
0: primate, the skateboarding chimpanzee. Wait, but there's another. There's a third?
1: Yeah, they have them snowboard.
0: Maybe that's the same movie, maybe I'm mistaken.
1: Yeah, so, like, both the snowboard and the skateboarding one, I found a little bit of information on training. And the snowboard one, basically, like, the people who were in charge of this company that had multiple chimps for training in... You know, movies and things like that. As
2: you do. Yeah. Um,
1: they had this, like, snowboarding ski instructor, like, this whole thing of asking them to help train this chimp in something that these folks are knowledgeable on. Mm -hmm. But they gave them this crazy deadline.
2: Like, this really fast,
1: crazy deadline. And so it sounds like the snowboard instructor did the best that he could (laughs) to do successive approximations. (laughs) But it's like, we're animal trainers. I can't find to what degree they are good. And then they're having a snowboard instructor right. take the reins on an actual ski slope with an animal that is not cold tolerant, and they tried to do this thing of like an actual snowboard that he was attached to. But guess what? An animal can't comprehend that they're attached to this thing. All they know is they're stuck, and they're going to panic and try to get it right. off. So then they had to modify it, and da 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 da. Incredible. Yeah, it's a it's an absolute show. And yeah, so, and similarly with the skateboarding one, I mean, a little a little less so with the skateboarding one, but the snowboarding one just sounded out of control. And I said this while we were watching MVP, is like watching this chimpanzee sk- ice skating, that animal looks really uncomfortable and yeah. not natural. And so, you know, I, I don't know the training methods they use, but base, and I'm kind of a chimp novice in general, but I just really got
2: a bad vibe.
0: When you know even just a little bit about animal behavior, and you begin to appreciate how excessively we anthropomorphize the animals. Uh, not not just the fact that they put it in this context where it's going to be anthropomorphized because they're telling a fictional story, but even in more subtle ways than that. You're watching this and you're like, I bet that chimp isn't that good at hockey. And then you think about how they would make a movie, and you're going, they're torturing this chimp. They, they probably... Forcibly attached it to the skates and then forcibly attached it to wires so it would stay upright and not drag its knuckles to move around on the ice. Mm-hmm. Like to do anything natural. And it's like, yeah, they are torturing this chimp in order to create the effect of it ice skating because the whole gimmick of Airbud Entertainment yeah. is using real animals and real children as opposed to what you would do now, which is CG. Yeah. But you bring up an interesting point with they gave, him <laughs> like, they gave them a deadline.
1: They gave them a deadline, yeah. said, do the best you and can. And they, from what I understand, based on the skateboarding and the snowboarding, they probably did just force this monkey into monkey. Wow, I'm wrong. Wow. And
2: wow. I will
1: say right now, I am drinking, because it has been a f***ing <laughs> week, and where we get to in this episode is a very dark place that upsets me to my core. So, my, even though I couldn't find any articles... Or whatever about how they trained these chimps. It seems like they put them in skates and had them skate around.
0: They had chimps that they had placated to the point that they could do these grotesque things to them. Yeah. And again, editing is key. You've either got a hyper close up of like the chimp taking just one little skate, which I swear to God was probably more marionette than chimp, if anything.
1: I, yeah, I would, I think there's Probably a degree to that.
0: In in some of the close ups, like if you have a chimpanzee reaching and then you have a close up of it hitting floor three, you know. Yeah. That's probably a dude with a very realistic looking chimp glove. Because you know what?
2: Yeah. It's not
0: that hard to make a very hyper realistic, photorealistic glove of a chimpanzee's Mm -hmm. hand. Oh yeah. It's hard to make the entire thing and have all the joints move the way that they need to. Yeah. So if you're seeing the whole body of the chimp, and especially if you're seeing the face of the chimp, mm-hmm. I reckon that's, those, that's one of the real, the three yeah. real actors that they use. Mm-hmm. If you're seeing an appendage or you're seeing it from behind and it's wearing human clothing, I reckon they're using some combination of puppetry and stunt doubles.
1: I think that's really valid. Yeah. That's my
0: guess. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so this is, this is the point that I wanted to make. Are you familiar with the term crunch?
1: I mean, I know about sit-ups. Like you're doing crunch yeah. in gym class.
0: Not gym class crunch, <laughs> but crunch as, well, a, the, as a period of time.
1: There's the uh, chocolate bar.
0: The crunch bar. Okay. So in the, in the effects production industry, mostly you see this in video games, but you also see it a lot in movies. Mm-hmm. And crunch is basically what you just described, only with uh, computer generated graphics. They get these graphic artists and they say, we need you to finish this final fight scene with Iron Man. And the Blue Shmugoo. And it's going to be amazing because they're like the same person with the same powers, but they have to figure out who can punch harder. Right? Yes.
2: we can. Best part this of every Marvel, Marvel movie. movie.
0: And we need it yesterday. Yeah. And so you have this infinite crew of underpaid artists having to try to finish this. By the time the film is going to ship to theaters. Yeah. That's crunch. And you have the same thing with video games. I
1: was going to say, and I think crunch translates to other jobs. I think I just didn't know the context in doing
2: it. Yeah.
0: But what you just described is if you're not going to use CG to create animal effects and you're using real animals and you have the exact same attitude. Yeah. About the little people who make the magic happen. That is the entire thing that people are going to pay money to see. Mm -hmm. What do you have? You have crunch. Yeah. You have An abuse of the people in a position to know better and do better. And by extension, you have an abuse, in this case, Mm -hmm. of the chimpanzee actors who aren't really in a place to consent to be here, to be made to do these things.
1: And then you're doing behavioral requests that are made out of forcing Mm
0: -hmm. rather
1: than the positive reward choice space that is appropriate.
0: Can you explain that phrase, behavioral request?
1: behavioral request would be like cueing the animal to engage in a desirable behavior. So you Mm. say sit to a dog. I am requesting the dog to sit, which I has been, Mm. you know, trained or not trained to do, but I am wanting, you know, the dog is standing, jumping on people, what have you. I give it the request, Hey, sit down, do something stationary. And if the dog recognizes that and is properly trained to understand that and want to do that behavior for you, then it will sit.
0: And we encourage the behavior through reward, right? Mm -hmm. Like With a dog, it would normally be a treat.
1: A treat, a toy. For chimpanzees, chimpanzees, a lot of it is like play, tickle, that kind of thing.
0: Because they're very social creatures. So reward and stimulation for them is social.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: And that, I think, explains exactly why the look of this movie is so upsetting. Mm
2: -hmm. Because there's
0: very few wide shots. There's very little camera movement. It's just a lot of the really claustrophobic <laughs> medium shots and close ups because you've got these people off screen requesting a behavior
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they're trying to frame it and you need the chimp to look in a certain way and you need yeah. it to be positioned a certain way. Yeah. And you need it to hit a mark. And it's, it's very, very complicated to do this. Yeah. And that's why I say it's hard for me to hate a movie like this because it's like the animal trainers and the animal actors are doing real work. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It, for the most part, it looks pretty good. It looks like when you cut it all together, they're doing the thing that they're supposed to be doing. Right. This chimpanzee is brushing its teeth. Well, no, it's not. It's a bunch of shots cut together of close-up of a puppet hand squeezing shampoo and a puppet hand picking up shampoo a brush. Close-up of a puppet <laughs> hand squeezing toothpaste <laughs> and a puppet hand picking up the toothbrush. We are brush.
2: not on our A game today.
0: We're, we're not at our best. But you know what I mean? It's... They they cut these things together in a certain sequence. It's borderline stop motion, Mm -hmm. but with, you know, multi-second sequences of the chimps doing these different behaviors and probably different chimps doing different behaviors that they can then cut together. Mm -hmm. And so you have it just kind of rubbing its gums with its toothbrush or whatever. It does these kinds of behaviors throughout the film. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it doesn't look like anyone is doing these things. But kind of like you can watch a, a flip book or a stop motion and suspend disbelief. You're like, yeah. That's a fun idea. That's what this movie is. A fun idea. That just yeah. is not what it looks like it's trying to be.
1: Yep. So Jack goes to Canada.
0: He makes it to Canada.
1: Runs into a family. There are two kids, the older brother, Steve, and the younger daughter, Tara. And, and- Tara is deaf, hard of hearing, something along those lines. Knows American Sign Language.
0: And the family has learned to sign for her benefit. Steve, the older brother Steve, plays hockey. Yes. Because, of course, he does because it's Canada.
1: Yep. And so Jack finds the family. The girl instantly connects with him through ASL. Mm -hmm. You know, Steve finds out and is just, like, totally cool with it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The family finds out and, you know, they're just
1: totally cool with it.
2: Well,
0: okay. You know, we've (laughs) we've been giving her a really hard time. She deserves a win. Well, what's
1: crazy is that... She's speak you know, speaking ASL, but like barely and you know, there's a lot of lip reading and that kind of thing going on, which is valid, but also I I would love to hear someone who's fluent in ASL comment on this movie for the way that they're representing sign language and well, the use of it. Let me
0: ask what you mean by barely. Do you mean she's barely signing when she communicates with Jack?
1: With everybody. I feel like there's oh, not everybody. a ton of signing happening. And I feel like when they do sign, it just like, it seems like they're kind of doing bare bones. Again, I don't speak ASL, but from like other movies and that I've seen and, and folks I know who do speak, speak ASL, mm-hmm. it seems like there's just not a lot of substance to what they're communicating through that language.
0: They're using words, not phrases.
1: Yeah. And you, you know, I'm sitting here comparing it to a quiet place where you have a deaf actress who is fluent and she's communicating with other members of her family and she very much describes how you can tell that these folks are not fluent but here's how they are they are approaching this language as Mm -hmm. a second language that they have learned and it's a very interesting like linguistic thing to hear about
0: it's accents is what you're describing
2: totally exactly yeah yeah
0: and yeah visually you are you are being presented with accents of are you just saying a couple words to get the idea across? Versus are you using complete sentences and right. speaking, like you said, fluently?
1: Yeah. And so of course like this came out in the year two thousand. It's made by Airbud Entertainment. Like they're not gonna put a lot of effort into this kind of thing. It was just Yeah. But if you're gonna Yeah
0: if that if your protagonist effectively or your co protagonist, I guess, because she's yeah. not on the cover. But yeah,
2: that's true. Jesus.
0: If, if that's who she is, then maybe yeah. you you put a little bit of work into allowing that protagonist yeah. to fully or, realize you know, on film.
1: Let's bring on a deaf actress instead of being discriminatory. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. What what a sign mm, of the type womp, of womp. creatures we are that we would say, well, it's a sign of the times. It's acceptable to be half-assed or less.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so Jack just shows up, and the family's like, well. He's here now, so that's fine.
0: We have a chimp in the family. Fine. They
1: just put skates on him one day because the kids are the kids are skating. Steve is practicing his hockey, whatever. Even though there's no one else there to play yeah, with,
0: and those knuckleheads will scrap skates on anything that's not bolted to the yeah. ground. When it's
1: and so they're like, he seems interested, and slap some skates on him, and all of a sudden, like, oh, <laughs> he's a prodigy! Look at him skate! Oh, he can <laughs> he can do a mean slap shot, and it goes right through the net, and the net's on fire! Okay.
0: <laughs> This is 50% a callback to his actual training in the spirit of Airbud mm-hmm. because he and the janitor both work together to clean up. I don't know how it gets this dirty because it's just the two of them and only, what? only Jack the chimp lives there, but they clean up the space, you know. Yeah. The, the janitor holds the big old tin garbage can up and Jack, you know, whacks a piece of garbage in with a broom and they're having mm-hmm. fun. How does he know how to skate? Why does he know how to skate? Skating
1: is such an unnatural thing. It has
0: nothing to do with the linguistics program in this Californian research university. It's a very
1: obscure thing to do with your body. That's so
0: unnatural. It's not, you could barely measure the cognitive things going on with a chimp skating because it's so physically different for a chimp to try to learn to roll upright like that on its little squat feet. It
1: is foreign to us. By concept, and then you introduce it to an animal who doesn't recognize it or the purpose or anything. <laughs> I mean, the sense of, like, suspending your disbelief in this movie is absolutely bonkers. You, you
0: can't even invoke <laughs> that in a film yeah. o- made by Airbud Entertainment. But I will say, I bought the premise in Airbud. A clown teaches a dog to hit a ball that's thrown at it with its nose, mm-hmm. and it happens to have good aim. It develops good aim through practice. Yeah. Okay. That is one behavior. Yep. That is one thing. Yeah. And it's collaborative. How does a chimp learn sign language? And not just sign language, but this is presented as like Coco the gorilla level. Like you can fully.
2: We're going to get there, buddy.
0: Oh, Jesus. But he can do all that. You know, he has this morning talk show with Dr. Kendall on this, you know, lecture circuit but he can also skate, just low-key. Well, not
1: just skate, but also... And he's coordinated
0: enough to hit with the stick while skating.
1: doing a good uh, slap shot, but also, like, if you think about the rules of hockey and, like... (laughs) The rules of hockey. Icing, offsides, too many players on the ice. Like, there were so many shots of hockey games we were watching, and you and I were calling penalties constantly back and forth. It Like, okay, (laughs) one, nobody cares. It's a kid's game. It's not professional. Who who the f*** even is going to watch? But then you throw in, like, this sense of a chimp being this prodigy of hockey doing its thing. And if we're thinking about it from the chimp's perspective, not only is it so absurd that it's going to know how to skate just naturally and maybe we'll give it the benefit of the doubt with a slapstick based on its, like, you know, his experiences with his buddy Darren.
0: Right. But how do you
1: explain a game's rules and you're just
0: so that the chimp isn't offsides, yeah. but he's still always set up yeah. when they need to put it right in front of the net. And
1: it was just very convenient that this team had a player out. And guess who fills the spot? Hey, Chimpansy!
0: Because we we don't love it, but darn it, he's a prodigy. We we have to use him. So you, you bring up a point that I actually wanted to talk about a little bit, because they kind of lampshade the fact that, they have this chimp on the ice, and it's a very aggressive game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they never call penalties, right?
1: Yeah. not. They, I mean, with chimp or not, there's like hardly... Chimp or otherwise. Yeah, there's hardly any
2: penalties. And if
0: if you ignore the fact that this is supposed to be about a chimpanzee who plays hockey, mm-hmm. it's bad hockey. And they make a point of that. The first time we meet the game, and it's, you know, it's one of those like, ah, we've been just real cellar dwellers this entire season. we mm-hmm. We need some juice to get us out of the cellar and win the cup or whatever. And that's why they
1: brought Steve on board, because he's some hotshot from California.
0: Right. He comes from California, and he's like, I don't know a lot, but I know how to play hockey. (laughs) And he's just not impressed with this team. And so this team does a delightful send-up of the incredibly toxic concussion culture of (laughs) high-contact sports. No, they really do. No,
1: they do. You're right.
0: There's a lot of... Big air quotes humor throughout this whole movie mm-hmm. that was really hard for me to get behind. It always seemed to be in a sort of unpleasant way at someone else's expense. Yes. Or it was just, look at this monkey kind okay. of humor. Well, that's the point. They yeah. would say, look at this monkey, because that's the amount of seriousness that they, they take this whole thing with. But the one joke that I thought worked structurally was at the very beginning when they meet the team, someone gets hit way too hard goes, oh, get out some smelling salts. Mm-hmm. And then the like team equipment manager or whatever goes, we're out. And that's just this recurring thing. This yeah. absolute non-solution, non-treatment for the incredibly aggressive treatment of their players. And they don't even have that. That's how substandard they are. Yeah, And so it, it works as exposition. Yeah. And it works as three-part humor because they do the, oh, a human player gets hurt. Ah, give him some smelling salts. Oh, we're out. And then our buddy Steve shows up and they put him into the boards cuz he's the new guy and they're hazing him. <laughs> and so he gets completely overly aggressively checked and the coach is just like, "Wow, well, you know, you
2: got to take your legs. Boys <laughs> will be boys." Boys
0: will be boys. You got to you got to earn your keep. We yeah. hazed each other back in my day, which is just incredibly toxic. And it's like, "Oh, the new guy is injured. Ah, have some smelling salts. We're out." Yeah. You know, it's it's this recurring joke. But I think that does kind of serve to set up the fact that it's very very physical. Mhm. This is, what, 2B hockey or something like that? Yeah. Like it's it's minor, minor, minor league. And the best they can hope for is to survive the concussive yeah. environment to the, get into 1A hockey.
1: The most entertaining part of that, and it's probably my favorite part in the entire fucking movie, is that at, like, the season starter for this team there's this old dude in the stands. That's
0: <laughs> yeah, the super fan. He's a
1: super fan. And he's saying Maybe things like, time. I want one win. That's all I ask for. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, like, I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan and they haven't yeah. won a cup since the 60s. So it's like a very sore point. And so seeing that, I was just like immediately rooting for this yeah. team of like, one! I You're just drawn want one! In. And this fan shows up <laughs> to multiple games and I love this man and I want to buy him a beer because I relate. Yeah,
0: by all indications, he's on the road with them. He's not traveling with them, but he's like roadie following them. And he's at every game just going, come on, just one. One
2: win.
0: So, this is the team that needs a chimpanzee to be Uh, better at hockey. Yep. So, Dr. Kendall has a heart attack, presumably.
1: Or however, he dies. How do we know this?
0: (laughs) We see two scenes, two sequences. And then we just get verbal exposition. That's like, yeah, you remember when he was sweating and he spilled his milk? It's because he was dying. Because he died. So he's dead. Yeah. And if we don't get you out of here, darn toots, you're going to be sold to a shampoo factory or whatever. It's
1: hepatitis. I just looked in my notes real quick. It's yeah. university. It's a university in Tennessee, and they're going to do hepatitis studies. And
0: the implication is they're just going to inject Jack with hepatitis. And it's a we'll bad man doing bad happens. things. Yeah. So we have our antagonist. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Jack makes it. All the way to California, he meets this girl. He's
1: an ex-Wayne Gretzky.
0: I wanted to see if you noticed this sequence. Okay. Because it stood out to me like gangbusters. Before the family is way weirdly tolerant of the fact that their (laughs) youngest daughter, their this young girl, like elementary school age, wants to keep a pet question mark, chimp, you have a scene that is almost shot for shot exactly what they did in the Chamber of Secrets. Yes! When Dobby, uh, he comes to see Harry Potter for the first time, Harry punts him into this closet, into this, you know, floor-to-ceiling wardrobe, and Dursley comes up and is like, what's going on? And Dobby keeps on pushing open the door, and Harry keeps on closing it.
1: great visual gag.
0: And it's almost exactly mirrored in this. And you know what? This came out before Chamber of Secrets. Who
1: knew it was so revolutionary?
0: This was ripped off. I'm calling it MVP <laughs> courtesy of Airbud Entertainment. Chris
1: Columbus, what have you done?
0: Chris Columbus goes all the way to the top. Warner Brothers, JK Rowling, Steve Knowles, all of them. It's all dirty and it all stinks of Airbud Entertainment. I tell you what, because the, the girl has to keep on closing the closet door that she sees opening because she put Jack in there to hide him from her remarkably tolerant parents
1: tolerant and oblivious like all parents were at that time
0: yeah so he keeps on opening the closet door she keeps on closing it and then about two sequences later they're just like ah screw it you've got a chimp we love you let's Mm -hmm. put skates on him and see what happens oh my god he's the best hockey player ever hey steve our son who we tend to neglect because you know that'll happen
1: (laughs) he's fine he plays hockey whatever
0: We know you're not much of a hockey player, but you're sure enthusiastic. Why don't you bring this chimp to practice with you so that he can get on the team? Well,
1: actually, Jack breaks in.
0: So this is the part that gets a little bit fuzzy in my mind because I was just so... I was so checked out at this point. But when it... It took so long. For a 90-minute movie, I think it took the better part of 35 minutes for Jack to meet Tara. It took...
2: The slow burn. Not
0: half the movie, but a hell of a lot closer than you would expect
2: mm-hmm.
0: for them to even meet. So I'm just like... Probably
1: because there's so there's such a limited quantity of skating footage on the
2: chimp's part.
0: Right. You can only do that so many times. So the bulk of the movie can't be the hockey.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We know the hockey is supposed to be the main draw because it's called MVP, and that's what's on the cover. Yeah. You know, the, the teaser image is a chimp in a jersey in skates with a hockey stick.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's so hard to technically do that relative to a Colton Retriever bouncing a ball into a hoop. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of that in B footage, for Christ's sake. And so I'm just like, what are the stakes of this? Yeah. What is the actual tension? Like, we know that the villain of this is the guy who wants to put uh, Jack in the Hepatitis B shampoo factory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's my new band name.
0: But what's, what's the actual tension? And, and as far as I can figure, where this movie falls apart for me is when we're first introduced to Tara, mm-hmm. because the popular girl is handing out invitations to a party, Tara doesn't get one. And we get a big fat close up, because this movie is filmed exclusively in close ups, of an invitation with Tara's name on it falling on the floor. She just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. This girl was throwing them out like candy at Halloween.
2: Yeah.
0: Tara didn't see her invitation. And she felt left out. Yeah. So her journey is I need to be accepted by my peers because I'm non hearing. So. But she's already it, accepted.
1: That, and the other thing that is like one of the things that bothered me the most about this f- movie is that, you know, she she is deaf or hearing impaired in some capacity, and she is in the, like, a regular class. She's
0: regular ass Which, fifth grade, you know. Whatever.
1: Who knows to what degree she's receiving accommodations while also being present in this class. Whatever. But it gets to a point where they're all buddies with Jack, and it's this lovely thing, and he, you, there's a shot of him in her class teaching the other students sign language, uh, and she's sitting there on the sidelines like, yay, they understand me! And it's like, you could have been doing this the whole time? This teacher should be fired? because Horrible oh teacher. Oh my god! Horrible
0: teacher. But yeah, they they were into her from the beginning, by all indications. Yes. She was invited to the party. Yeah. So it's completely, it's a 100% internal journey that she's making. She doesn't need to play hockey. She doesn't need her brother to yeah. win. She doesn't need an exotic pet to make her popular. The kids were down to clown. They were just figuring out, because they're not fluent in ASL, how to communicate.
2: Mm-hmm. They're not, yeah.
0: But I did want to ask you, because ASL could just as easily stand for Ape Sign Language.
2: Yeah, I hate that.
0: No, but genuinely. No, I know. (laughs) Do they teach in these research conditions, because this has a lot of precedent, do they teach great apes American Sign Language?
1: It is American Sign Language. They It is. is. So they're
0: not modifying it. They're maybe not doing, like, I don't know, grammar. But they're at least, the vocabulary matches American Sign Language. Yes, they
1: are doing specifically American Sign Language, because there's sign language for, for different regions. Like, American Sign Language is not the same as the sign language that is used, like, in the U.K.,
0: Hence, American. Hence, American. Right.
1: yes. And there's a lot of overlap, as far as my understanding. I am right. not a fluent sign language speaker. As far as I understand, there are a lot of similarities between the different dialects, but there are some key differences, like grammatically and with some of the vocabulary, I'm sure. But right. I just, I can't really put words to it because I'm not a professional yeah. linguistically in that.
0: There's there's variety. Just like you got your your French Canadians. Canadians have an accent. Mm-hmm. People in different regions. And different yeah, it's countries. like your
1: Parisian French versus your Canadian French versus your Haitian French.
0: Like there you go. Yeah, yeah. So it's there's a lot of flavor, even if you're all speaking quote unquote the same language. Mm-hmm. They make it seem like the sign language is the crux of what Jack is doing at the university. Mm-hmm. They make it seem like it's the crux of his relationship with Tara. That
1: connection to the family, yes.
0: But no one else really speaks sign language. No. Except and for even the parents to an extent.
1: Right. They're all like barely using sign language. They're entirely relying on her to read lips, which is, you know, this very much like, no, you're different. You need to cater to me because I'm normal. Right. Like it's a really right. horrible way that it's. Represented like the, the family's just constantly speaking to her with a sign thrown in here and there,
0: like a single just word taking sort advantage,
1: of this, absolutely taking advantage of service, so
0: to speak. Yeah. To, oh yeah, we're continuing this premise, right? Whatever, big shrug. Yeah. So why do you teach a chimp sign language? Okay. Why Why is Jack fluent in ASL?
1: So the language and ASL studies of chimps go back several decades, and it is kind of part of the whole nature versus nurture type of thing, and it's very much this comparative cognition of apes are very similar to us, to what degree are they? First off, Norm, what's the difference between an ape and a monkey?
0: I can only give you broad physical characteristics. Go for it. But as far as I can tell, the way that we classify species and kingdoms and everything, Mm -hmm. it's all kind of arbitrary and only somewhat scientific, you can get to the nitty gritty.
1: It is a whole can of worms, and there's continuing arguments, and there will be arguments until the universe implodes. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: I just know every yeah. once in a while you hear, like, oh, they updated. This sea slug is actually a reptile. Or there's actually whatever. a
1: recent one regarding birds that I heard about, and I'm still okay. trying to wrap my mind around it, but I digress. Norm, what is an ape?
0: So an ape. And I can't name all of them, but you've got your your chimpanzees, yep. your gorillas, mm-hmm. your orangutans. Well, I mean, Planet of the Apes, actually, yep. the species that you yes. see in those movies pretty much has it.
1: There are five.
0: They are not tree dwellers. Mm-hmm. They tend to run around on all fours, and they mm-hmm. do not have tails. Yes. I think those are the key differences. Yep. The monkeys are generally smaller, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. there's There's nothing nearly on the level of even a chimpanzee. Mm-hmm. They have tails, mm-hmm. and because they have fully prehensile tails, I think, is mm-hmm. what the purpose of the tail is. Mm-hmm. So they can live elevated in trees in the canopy level. Yes. And probably that means they have a different diet and yeah. all kinds of different relationships.
1: Yeah. So you're hitting the nail on the head in a lot of respect. Crushing um, it. Apes are sometimes bipedal. So they're walking, walking on two legs. Or skating. So that's, Jesus Christ, I was not no. talking about that. Um, <laughs> monkeys tend to, especially with their tail, be more of a leaping through the trees type of animal, whereas apes are right. going to use more arm swinging from place to place. Like, you know, think of the monkey bars at yeah. the gym. They are way more genetically so- similar to humans. And then, like you said, they, they don't spend as much time in the trees. Apes tend to build nests. There are, Five species of ape. So you mentioned gorilla, chimp, orangutan. Do you know the other two?
0: Gorilla, chimp, orangutan, um, are bonobos a species?
1: Yes. And... The fifth one is one people forget about.
0: I, I do know it and I can't think of the name of it. What is it?
1: Uh, Gibbons. Gibbons! Of yes. course. The former four are considered great apes. And then the Mm. gibbons are considered lesser apes. They're smaller. They actually have sexual dimorphism, meaning that the males and females physically look different. They don't make nests, um, and they tend to form these long pair, monogamous bonds, which is less common in apes. Apes have a much more like diverse familial group Mm. kind of thing going on.
0: Is am I correct in saying that ape is a species?
1: Ape, I believe, is considered a. Family. When we're looking at taxonomy,
0: so if we're looking at taxonomy, I'm just curious where humans fall in this whole thing because I know we're all primates. So somewhere up there, there's a common root, right?
1: Yes, taxonomy is so complicated, man. I don't know and what you want to consider. The rules all the time. Yeah, because there's like <laughs> orders, there's sub-orders, there's families, there's super families. Like I don't f-ing know. Apes are entirely separate from monkeys. We are closest related to them. We share like 98-something percent of our genome with chimps right. and bonobos. Like, it is absolutely bonkers.
0: So presumably the interest in studying them is to see if they can learn to communicate in a human language. Yeah. Because we have so much in common. Why not well, that?
1: and Well, and not just that, but okay, can you keep an eighth sign language? And can they take that and run with it and start using it as a language like we use it? Are they going to form... Sentences, are think, on syntax, semantics, well, like, that all different
0: Well, seems like the big question, stuff. doesn't it? Exactly, because and that's why there's that, these studies. Yeah, you can train a chimp to tolerate being on ice, I guess. Mm-hmm. You can, you can train animals be... to do individual behaviors. If you're teaching a chimp sign language, are you teaching it a language, or are you training it on behaviors that it's just going to mirror to
1: you? So it ends up being the latter, but the story is very complicated when you look at it. And the issue with it is there's a lot of projection. There's a lot of mm-hmm. subjective ideas surrounding it. There's a lot of back and forth between researchers. I've read some really like volatile comments between researchers. You get this. It's funny because I, I read something where a s- researcher was saying how saying that human language is the superior thing is very anthropocentric, but it in, seems like it. Right. But at the same time, I'm kind of thinking, Asking an ape to do something human to see if it is the same as a human is also very anthropocentric.
0: It seems like You are it.
1: not appreciating this animal for what it is and what it can do that is different from us.
0: So, and I don't know if this is a research question, but is the thought that if you teach an ape, if you teach a chimp sign language, mm-hmm. and you consider it, maybe not fluent, but you consider it to have a vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And it signs something novel to you. It signs words in an order you didn't teach it to arrange. Mm -hmm. Is it just making gestures? Is it just doing these trained behaviors? Or is it communicating an original thought?
1: It is very much just stringing words together. Because you, so there's an instance where one of these apes signs water bird and there is like a duck on a pond. Okay. And it's like, is it making up a word to say that this bird is a water bird? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's inventing this word to describe this particular bird. Or is it that it's signing water? Look, there is water. And then there is also a bird. These two separate things that it is seeing.
0: If you I'm, can't
1: prove that it's doing one or the other.
0: Well, if I'm a researcher and I have all the perverse incentives that I think exist in the research <laughs> the universe, I'm going to see it signing water and looking at a duck, and I'm going to wait until it signs something that corresponds to duck. Mm -hmm. Because it's probably doing water, 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 and then other signs that it knows. Yeah. Trying to get a little a little gorilla snack or whatever.
1: Right. There are... One of the researchers in the studies I was looking at pretty much called it word salad, Mm -hmm. where it's just kind of throwing all these words that it knows together. When you compare it to children learning language,
2: there's not
1: like this learning of order of words, chimps kind of get to a point where they just kind of stick with whichever order they're going to use. Whereas children progress to, okay, my subject goes here. My noun goes here. My verb goes here.
0: It's a completely different level of pattern recognition.
1: Yes. And children continue to develop and grow with it. And chimps stay stagnant. And the, like another part of that is interrupting. Like you, you talk to a very, very young child and they just interrupt what you say constantly. (laughs) And they get to a point of learning conversation is a give and take
0: Ah, and so i need
1: to yeah
0: rhythm Mm -hmm. apes don't do that
1: they just are sign they just sign whether you're signing or not they sign over top of you one of these apes that i was reading about their longest sentence was 16 words i believe it is (laughs) like pretty pretty long but you want to know what that sentence is
0: i would love to hear it 16 or something signs
1: yeah You're going to love this. Give orange, me give, eat orange, me eat orange, give me eat orange, give me you. Hell yeah. Yeah, it sounds like kind of a rave song, right? Yeah,
0: you put a base. But it's like
1: you look at that and you're like, this is kind of nonsense. It's just kind of throwing these words together, basically to get someone to give this ape an orange to eat because oranges are delicious. And they're just going to sit here and subjectively say like, oh, my gosh. He's adamant. He wants an orange. It's his favorite. He is demanding you to give an orange. Oh, he just really wants it so bad. And it's like he's just giving you every sign he knows relating to that. He's manipulating you, basically. Yeah. He has learned to manipulate you. It is a very clever Hans scenario.
0: I mean, it does seem like he probably did want an orange and was yeah not trying to communicate. The, the motivation, that he is, an I think, is there. Kind of like a dog will sit if he thinks he's going to get a treat. Yeah. Does he want to sit? Is he sitting because you pulled him to? Or is he sitting because he knows when you make a noise and make a sign,
1: mm-hmm. he
0: can wait long enough and he'll get it free? Yes. Exactly. So probably yep. he wanted the orange because he knew mm-hmm. if he did this motion, yep. he would get it as a reward. And
1: if you, and, and it's all very much how you present it. So you have one researcher who's going to sit here and say, wow, look, this ape did this really long sentence. Look at all the words it put right, like together, one right after the other, right. like a sentence. But then you have another researcher be like, well, you know what it said? It said the same four words over and over and over again in random order. Right. Like, is that an actual sentence? Is that language? Or is that just very advanced learning from a training scenario?
0: So from the point of view of the villain of the movie, Mm -hmm. he's not wrong. Jack isn't a genius. Jack doesn't speak ASL. Mm -hmm. Jack is a liability unless we can inject him with hepatitis yeah. B and find a cure and sell it to yeah. some pharmaceutical and company.
1: Obviously, the word genius comes with its own issues because how do we measure intelligence? Yeah, um,
0: well, even in the movie, they don't labor the point that much. Yeah, it's, Dr. it's a huge like, scope. Jack, you're a genius. If we, <laughs> if we would quit monkeying around, yeah. we'd be able to tell the world. And the
1: other thing that kills me about these studies is that, you know, apes are undeniably smart creatures. Mm-hmm. And you you know, you take one and you start teaching it these advanced things, they're smart, they're social, they learn by watching, they learn by mm-hmm. doing. They're gonna pick it up. So who's to say that, you know, Jack is smarter than another ape in the wild who has not received this exact mm. training? You you can't make that comparison. You can't sit here and say, He's a genius because he can do this, and it's like, well, you have molded him to do.
0: Right, but that's dialogue for the benefit of the audience, right? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going way advanced
1: beyond this. Why, why sure. are
0: you a special little chimp boy?
1: <laughs> so when we're looking at chimp and just general ape ASL studies, so initially when we were looking at, can do apes have a capacity mm-hmm. for language? There were initial studies that were done with a chimp named Vicky where they tried to get her to learn how to speak, like, you know, vocally speak. And they were surprisingly Mm. unsuccessful. (laughs) And there's like a number of ideas behind that. And it's like, you know, anywhere from anatomic differences to there's a lot of like muscle control to speak. And it's hard Mm. to develop that. And so how how do you develop that in an animal that doesn't normally go through that stage as they are coming into their own and growing up and that kind of thing?
0: So I would compare that. You tell me if this is off or not. I would compare that to when you're learning to drive and mm-hmm. you have to really develop fine motor control in your right foot mm-hmm. so that you can hit these pedals.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No reason for you to have that kind of dexterity and that kind of fine motor control yeah. in those specific muscles because we usually just normal, we use it for walking and running.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's, it's not that yeah. delicate. And the only reason you would do that is because, you know, the payoff is you learn how to drive and you can run mm-hmm. people over. Yeah. I don't know why else you would learn. So, from an apes' perspective, if you don't really recognize verbal communication as verbal communication the mm-hmm. way humans do it, yeah, how would you ever learn to use the gear that you've got, right, to vocalize?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, it, it's a purely impossible study to do
0: objectively. With objectively, controls. yeah,
1: to get them to. I saw a brief clip of a video of. It didn't indicate if it was Vicky or another chimp that they were trying to train how to talk, but they were doing this weird thing where they were, like, cupping its mouth and pushing its lips out to try to get its mouth to make that shape that you would use to give a particular sound. Right. And I'm like...
0: You could do that with a person. uh, (laughs) People did that to me. I don't
1: like this. Yeah. But an
0: ape doesn't know why you're doing it or what kind of attention that is.
1: So because of this... Difficult situation. That's why they switched to ASL is because mm. we know that apes have a lot of gestures. They use their, their arms are all over the place. They, it's very apparent that they're using a lot of physical cues. So that's why they switched to ASL. And the first instance of that is a chimp named Washoe.
0: And what time period would that have been?
1: Washoe was born in 1965. And they started training her, or rather they acquired her when she was about a year old and started teaching her sign language in 1966.
0: So if this movie comes out in the year 2000, Mm -hmm. we've got a solid three Mm -hmm. to four We are
1: way past the four cases I looked into regarding ape sign language. The four biggest cases.
0: Because you said with very little hesitation that this is not real sign language. They are not really communicating the way that we want to believe in the way that this movie presents. If that's the case, are they still trying to teach apes sign language?
1: No, it's kind of fallen off the radar. It's I I think there's been enough controversy over the validity of the research. And a lot of this, you know, "Eh, this is kind of sketch, comes from some of these researchers who are reflecting back and looking at... Because the thing is, Mm -hmm. when they're teaching these apes sign language, there's a number of instances where no one's actually recording data They're just kind of like haphazardly hanging out with these animals, signing back and forth and being like, well, that's new, but they don't write it down. And once you get all this anecdotal evidence, how do you actually analyze it? And then you get the researchers who do and they are instantly like, hey, I put my I put my heart and soul into this research. And you know what? It does not prove my theory. Everything's bull.
0: So you have the kind of professional academic incentives. Yeah. But it sounds like based on what you're saying. It's really, really hard for a human researcher who is trying to teach ASL to mm-hmm. a subject, to an ape, to not anthropomorphize the ape. Because yeah. your thesis depends on it being more human yeah. than it appears. The mode of communication that you're teaching depends on it behaving and thinking in a very human way. Yeah, And everything you know about pedagogy <laughs> is going to <laughs> depend on yes. your student. Responding and yes. learning in a human way. Well,
1: and you're also giving them words and cues for objects that they don't give a shit about. So mm-hmm. you're giving them like these different toys and human objects. They do like for Nim Chimpsky who MVP <laughs> is clearly modeled off of Nim Chimpsky and it annoys me because MVP's like, yeah, look at this chip. He's human. He's, He's signing. Like he, it's great. Everything's happy. And Nim Chimpsky's life is like one of the saddest stories I've ever read in my life. And so you're giving them all these human things to do. And it's like, look, they're just like us. And it's like, well, no, you're putting a shirt on them. You are having them mimic you by brushing their teeth. They're they're totally just following you because that's how a lot of animals learn is through Mm -hmm. social cues and following their conspecifics.
0: So this ape is in distress. It's in deep emotional distress. It's very confused. But the only ape-like things around it, it's going to follow.
1: Yeah, and it's hard to say if it's in emotional distress because when these studies start, these chimps are very, very young. And one of the researchers, Nim Chimpsky researchers, indicate you work with chimps before they reach five because that's when they're nice. And once they hit five, they're monsters because guess what? They're a wild animal. So you look at the chimps in MVP, and they are young chimps because they're easier to work with. They will actually do things for you and not become aggressive And just do their own thing because they're a wild animal. And we don't treat them as such. We're treating them as people. We're not respecting them. And then we're like shocked Pikachu when it comes out us and bites us. Yeah,
0: on his sixth birthday, Jack chews Tara's face off.
1: Womp womp, (laughs) R.I.P. Like, yeah. So they
0: have to get rid of Jack before the end of the movie because... There's just no way they can grow old together.
1: Well, I mean, at the end of the movie, Jack goes to a sanctuary and is reunited with his family. So there's at least that.
0: His biological family. The happiest part of the movie.
1: But yeah, it's, it's really (laughs) a lot of it. And so Washoe is the first instance of teaching sign language in in the 60s. Yeah. In the 60s. Yeah. And through exposure and a lot of positive reinforcement, she learns just an absurd number of signs, but there's still, like she's using them in uh, strings of two. They, you know, kind of think she's starting to pick up some of these different aspects of language. There's some spontaneous naming of things through putting random words together that kind of relate. And a lot of the issues with these studies is that, you know, an ape will sign banana and then something else along with Mm -hmm. banana. And we are instinctively like, this ape likes bananas, it signs banana. Oh, it wants a banana. And it's like, it might just be throwing that sign in randomly. Like, mm. if it's saying banana and then some other sign, you if it's not saying the sign give, that doesn't mean it wants you to give it a banana. You're just saying, banana, I'm going to give you a banana regardless of what else you're telling me.
0: So you're just encouraging it to use the sign.
1: It's a lot. It's exactly Clever Hans. Yeah. Absolutely. And even with Washoe, the researcher's toward the end, stress that we must proceed with caution when we're talking about attributing language to apes. Because there's some really interesting stuff that have happened from, you know, Washoe's case, Mm -hmm. especially in terms of vocabulary and interacting with people. But to call it language in this artificial setting is a huge stretch.
0: An anthropomorphic stretch.
1: A hundred percent. So Washoe's the first Nim Chimsky I'm really going to get into because... MVP one hundred percent is borrowing from that. Yes,
0: yeah, you said that they are basically that Jack is like a stand-in, like a fictional hockey playing stand-in for Nim Chimsky.
1: That is my hypothesis.
0: And why? Why do you land there?
1: So Nim Chimpsky was born in nineteen seventy three. He was taken from his mother when he was two weeks old. Which you know, let's look at attachment theory and determine instantly this chimp is doomed. Mm-hmm. For failure. So Nim is named after Noam Chomsky.
0: Naturally. Do you
1: know Noam Chomsky?
0: What, the political thought leader? Yeah, know? do
1: you wanna, do you wanna give us a brief, do you know what he thought about language?
0: About language? No, yeah. I have no idea.
1: He was adamant that language is unique to humans, and uh. it requires, in his mind, language requires this innate sense of grammar. And so it seems right. like these researchers were just like, f*** you, Noam Chomsky! This is Nim Chimpsky, and he's going to speak like a person.
0: He's an ape that's smarter than Noam Chomsky.
1: So, basically, Nim is taken from his mother, and he becomes part of a study at Columbia University under the researcher Herb Terrace. (laughs) And what they wanted to do was raise him like a human while teaching him sign language. And through this immersive experience, He's going to be a human.
2: Oh, no, he's not, you guys. So,
1: with that, the researcher determined that this woman and her family, her name is Stephanie, were going to be Nim's family. So, you know, Columbia is in New York. You want to know where Nim lived with this family?
2: In New York? In wanna... Jersey? Oh, God, no, not Jersey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, A in state
0: bordering New York? Upper
1: West Side Manhattan. Does that sound like a good Wait. place for a chimp to you?
0: Well, but he's a person now. We decided it.
1: <laughs> In this situation, she breastfed him. Okay. There was zero control. She there was there were no lessons. This family didn't know how to speak ASL.
0: So, does she have a prosthetic tit now?
1: Not that I know of. But I also didn't get to see a nice picture of her tits, so hard to say.
0: It seems like you breastfeed a chimp, you lose a tit. <laughs> <It's>
1: about right. <laughs> it
0: seems like the streets.
1: <laughs> so she's taking this role of raising him like a human, but there's zero control to it it's just like he's living there but there are no journals there are no notes
0: it's not actually a study it's just he's this chimp like your baby and And
1: she's like yeah and so herb the researcher was like well this is not okay he gets in contact with a student who knows asl who is putting together lesson plans for nim to come to columbia university go to class Start learning. <laughs> Stephanie is pissed about this because she's like, "I am his mother. I need to breastfeed you are. Him more. I need to breastfeed him more." She's threatened that this teacher is going to resume the motherly role. It turns out that Stephanie was in grad school or in grad school studied psychoanalysis, and to some degree, she had a focus on the Oedipus complex. What? Mm-hmm. And she she has mentioned that. She noticed when Nim was getting older that more sexual things were happening. She she claims yeah, like she's like nothing sexual happens. happened, but I noticed these changes in him. And I'm like,
0: you wanted to. F- okay,
1: I'm not sure about this. It got to the point where she was like threatening to move elsewhere with Nim. She was like barring them from entering her house, oh, where, God. as you can imagine, Nim is destroying everything. Oh yeah. And so basically, the researchers were like. This is not, no longer okay. This is interrupting the validity of what we're doing. So <laughs> they remove Nim, fortunately, from that situation. Mm-hmm. And they find this estate in Riverdale, New York, and they have him there. It's this huge, you know, house, mansion, what have you. It's on a lot of land.
2: Beautiful campus.
1: They bring Nim there. There's so much outdoor space compared to Manhattan, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nim is settling in really well there. Thriving. This lesson planner, Laura, ends up living with him at the estate. Since she knows ASL, she's continuing teaching him, taking him to Columbia to learn additional stuff. There are a couple other teachers there alongside her. There's Joyce, Renee, and Bill. So there, there's, once Stephanie is out of the picture and they're introducing more controls into this, Mm -hmm. he, his learning and vocabulary just skyrockets. He's starting to make all that progress that they were wanting him to make
0: Wait, because so they, they did have a thesis this whole time.
1: Yeah, they wanted to see if you know it, how he can learn language, but also to what degree raising him like a human would impact that.
0: I see. So not yes. just like controlled study conditions to have exposure to language, yes. but having raise a, it like a human, like and a we'll whole use that as immersive
1: thing. Exactly. Okay. So there's all this progress being made. Oh, this will come up later, Stephanie. Gave him alcohol and also taught him how to smoke weed.
0: Yeah, Stephanie likes to party.
1: <laughs> yeah, in all the worst ways possible. When we're looking at the Oedipus complex, in between
0: breastfeeding sessions with her chimpanzee.
1: Well And so, so this is all happening, and you know, some ways into the study, I, I think within about within the first couple of years. Surprise, surprise! Nim turns very aggressive. Mm-hmm. He is an ape. He is a wild animal. They have social hierarchies within their system. So, of course, he's going to start testing that.
0: He's got to find his his place. He needs to know where he stands.
1: Yeah, and he's understanding these relationships with these people. He becomes this insane manipulator, and he's used to getting what he wants. He signs banana in these random other strings of words. And they're like, well, he signed banana. He wants a banana. And they give him one, and that's a positive reward. So he starts doing all these, you know, Things And if he doesn't get what he wants, he's going to turn aggressive, because that's what a wild animal does. And they're, you know, he, they say that he signed sorry, after these events. And I wonder to what degree that is also manipulation. Because if you attack someone, like you're going to do, and you know, the sign for sorry, and you say sorry, and all of a sudden, your relationship is back, and you're getting rewards you're just going to keep saying sorry because all of a sudden mm. things are better again and you're getting your bananas.
0: Anybody can learn that. Yes. Lots of
1: Exactly. It's not, yeah, it's a, you can teach that to a very, very different species. You know, you can mm. teach that to a fish. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not, there's at one point a video where one of them is asking for his attention and he's just looking all over the place and then they grab his face and they turn his face to theirs for attention. Uh, and I've taught attention to a number of animals and guess what? that is not how you do it.
0: (laughs) Well, how do you, surprise, surprise.
1: What would be appropriate? So what I have done is, so you, you start with baiting, which is presenting a food item to get their attention. And you want to get to a point of moving beyond baiting because you want to have the, the order of events to be cue behavior reward. You don't want Mm. this just constant, you know, throwing food. And it's like, they do it. And it's like, yeah, but they're only doing it when food is that first item that they know is happening. We right. want them to get more advanced in that. So when I've taught attention behaviors, I start with fading, but in the sense of holding the food item next to my eye and saying the key. So let's say it's Norm. Mm. I want Norm to look at me. Mm-hmm. He's going to look at food. I have a cheeseburger in my face. Mm. <laughs> Norm loves cheeseburgers. Uh-huh. So I hold a cheeseburger next to my eye. I say Norm. He uh-huh. looks at me because that food item's right in my face. I do. Reward. Um. And once that's very well established, we're very engaged with it, you're going to then say the cue and then move the cheeseburger to your eyes. Mm -hmm. And so, and then you slowly over time remove the cheeseburger from the equation.
0: So you're mixing up the cues to make sure that he's not Mm -hmm. making the wrong association. Yeah. You want to get just the behavior that you're looking for.
1: Yeah. Because you want the cue to equal food, basically. Hmm. You want it to signal an expectation. And that expe- expectation is going to be the reward.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is probably how they train their chimps for the movie. If, if you've
1: ever had someone grab your face and turn it towards their, is it, theirs, is it a pleasant experience? 100%. You punch those c***s, <laughs> Norm. It's going to happen. They deserve it. Um, so he starts becoming aggressive. He's biting his teachers who have been working with him for this chunk of time.
2: Betrayal. Trust. He,
1: at one point with one of them, bites her right in her cheek Ooh. and like rips skin off of her face, like right around her jaw, like almost fish hooks her.
2: Jesus.
1: To the extent that apparently when she went to the hospital, they couldn't stitch her up because the wound was too big. Right. And it was just going to fail because you're, you're talking your jaw is constantly moving a lot. So she just had this gaping wound for like several months until it Jesus. healed. Jesus. And at one point She was trying to get back on the horse to be like, I need closure. I need to confront, you know, confront Nim, just kind of like have Mm -hmm. that interaction to have closure. Of course. And when she tried to do that, he lunged at her face again.
2: Yeah. What the f*** do you expect? She didn't get
1: bit. She didn't get injured a second time, but that was when she's like, I'm washing my hands. I'm done with this.
0: That was when she called it quits. You know, this is someone who's Uh, advancing human knowledge.
1: Trying to.
0: Yeah. A plus.
1: So with all of that, you know, they determine that this is where the whole, the, how I learned nobody keeps a chimp past the age of five thing. Uh. So they announced the end of the study. <laughs> they do have a ton of video data. They, they have like a ton of stuff because they're like recording most of the sessions. They're taking, they're yeah. finally taking notes now that Stephanie's out of the picture. <laughs> so Herb is like, okay, I need to do something with this da- data and I need to like figure out what we did. Mm-hmm. And he did publish a paper in 1979 that is very extensive, lays out a ton of stuff regarding, you know, that manipulation. How does it compare to how children learn language? He's putting these two sign sequences together. He adds in more signs, but there's no positional consistency to it. There's all this. He, He ends up comparing it to some other, like the videos of Washoe. Mm -hmm. And sees very similar patterns and, you know, basically confirms the hypothesis of the strength of cueing as opposed to the animal gaining that knowledge. Clever Hans. And so he pretty much is like, I did this research, but here's the controversy and here's why my hypothesis technically failed. Mm -hmm. So, like, good researcher.
2: Good ethics, yeah. Yeah.
1: I was, like, pretty impressed by that. So, continuing on Nim's Tragic Tale. He goes, he ends up going to the University of Oklahoma, which is actually where he's from. There is the Institute of Primate Studies going on there. So they're doing different behavioral studies. Washoe ended up here at some point.
2: Okay.
1: So it's not foreign to them. But these conditions are horrific. It was likened to a prison. There are videos. So for a lot of this knowledge on Nim, there's an, a documentary uh, you can get on YouTube that's called Project Nim and yeah. there are clips of this facility and it makes my stomach turn.
0: It's really that bad.
1: It's bad. It it's, is It's not like, just anthropomorphic. This entire prison. documentary is very hard to stomach. Yeah. I I think it is fascinating. It is a great watch for opening your mind to like what actually happened, but it is hard to watch. Yeah. Um so Nim goes back to Oklahoma. They they say it's like a prison because there's just a lot of violence happening. There are murders. There Jesus. are apes committing suicide. They're using cattle prods to control them.
0: Like the actual planet of the apes, you know, Yes,
1: 100%. Draco Malfoy is there cattle prodding these apes.
0: Who knew that would come from a place of such historical precedent? And
1: Nim has never met chimps before. This is his first He's time. He's never
0: with- been around other chimpanzees. Because he
1: was taken from his mother at two weeks of age. Right. And so they do introduce him to one champ, it goes okay. And then they make his prior teachers lead him down this dark hallway into his cage, put him in his cage, the end. And these researchers or like the people who have been teaching him, his teachers, mm-hmm. do. And you know, they say it's one of the biggest regrets of their life, but it's also like, why did you not say anything? I understand you may not may have not been the one in control of the situation, but like, fuck me. Like this is just awful. In walks a true hero named Bob Ingersoll. Mm-hmm. Bob is a grad student student at University of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. His studies do not revolve around this institute. However, he meets Nim. They there's kind of this positive relationship instantly through them, like kind of just a vibe, you know? This mm-hmm. this thing that you can't describe or measure, but there's this like I get you, you get me type of thing. I don't know If like Bob was fluent in sign language or exactly how that happened, but they would sign together. Essentially, Nim's been through this horrible, stressful thing, just bouncing between people and people failing him. Mm -hmm. Of course, he's going to be skeptical. So the fact that Bob comes in and there's this positive relationship instantly is really special. Okay. So Bob was like, well, I can't change the situation you're in, but I can help make it better. He did that by taking Nim outside on the grounds as much as possible. He would take him out. He would play with him. He would do... It's great because at least... It wasn't explicitly said, but based on the video that I saw, Bob interacted with him very differently than other people did.
2: Gotcha. Like,
1: he was crawling around on the ground. He he was jumping in trees and, and, like, on stumps and that kind of thing. He seemed to be just... Playing with him in a non-human way.
0: Right. Instead of pulling him to be more human.
1: And one of the things he says is to understand chimps, you have to know, you have to understand them in order to work with them. Mm -hmm. So you have to know the species if you're going to make any progress with them. And I think that's pretty clear. Nim never attacked Bob. Ever. Never bit him. Never dragged him around. Never. And that like flabbergasts me and it makes my heart melt. (laughs) <laughs> like we will keep on bob with this and ultimately even though nim was in these language studies bob didn't give a shit if he had language or not bob was basically like there is a way that i can communicate with an- this animal and he communicates with me who gives a fuck if there's grammar and syntax and semantics there is a communication going on why do we have to call it language and i'm like yes and Oops. this is where the weed returns. <laughs> Bob, <laughs> of
0: course, it does. Bob and
1: another and some other folks would, you know, be taking Nim around campus and smoking joints with him. Nim was on the cover of High Times in 1975. <laughs> what, Hero, I can't find the cover, and oh. I swear to God, if there's someone out there who can give me the cover, I will, I will do so many things to get this cover. <laughs> like, there and you hear, Nim, you heard it
0: here first. Well, Nim would up.
1: sign uh, Stone Smoke now nice and you know again like cues associations blah 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 blah. but it was kind of a ritual they went into and guess what it relaxed nim it relaxed mm-hmm. the researchers and there was thank you weed for making things better <laughs> good
2: vibes were felt by all man. so now
1: now whenever we smoke weed i'm gonna do stone smoke now it's like i'd have to like verify but it's something like this is stone this is smoke and then now is something like this. Hell yeah. Yeah. So we're going to get that down. I'm, we're going to actually look at videos. So we're doing it accurately. Okay. But this is our new thing. Okay. So Nim's in Oklahoma and then this, it, it is decided that he's going to this medical research facility and basically this veterinarian comes by and is selecting chimps to take to this facility for research. And Nim happens to be one of them mm-hmm. and they're testing vaccines for human use and It is also horrific circumstances, as you can imagine, like similar thing of like dank cages and just really not treating them like like animals, treating them truly like objects. So it was called the Lab for Experimental Medicine and Surgery in Primates based in New York. Federal law dictates that you need to test vaccines in chimpanzees. Um, There's a certain number of chimpanzees you have to do this in before it is Made available to for human use. The veterinarian who is featured in this documentary does say, like, and and I read it as authentic that he hated doing this study. He feels like any time you do this kind of thing, there's no way to do it humanely, like ever, no matter what you do. So after Nim goes to this place, obviously Bob is distraught. Bob, the real hero, is hounding oh. this place about this situation. Good. He is calling them. He's doing everything he can he can. He's going to the media. He's going absolute no pun intended ape oh. to advocate for Nim and these other animals. And eventually he gets the attention of this lawyer called Henry Herman. Herman! And this lawyer reckons Nim was raised like a human. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he's a human, and I am representing him as a human. Mm. Yeah. And so He worked with Bob really closely to kind of gather this evidence and build this case about Nim's history and relationships with people. And he ends up filing habeas corpus because he wants Nim to be in court. He wants Mm -hmm. him to come into the room. And, you know, again, the argument, he was raised a human. He should be represented as a human. He is not a normal ape. And so he files habeas corpus. And basically, if he was granted this, Nim would come into a courtroom And regardless of how things were judged, it would go poorly for the court.
0: I can't believe there's a precedent for you just decide that an animal can be tried as a human. But then again, you can try legal children Mm -hmm. as adults. You can decide whether someone is fit to stand trial. right? So, yeah, Yeah. in the grand American legal tradition, the chimp is a person.
1: So basically, they get Nim out because... The courts just don't want to deal with the media backlash that is immediately going to arise regardless of what happens.
2: Slick move.
1: Right? So Nim then is relinquished to the Black Beauty Ranch in Texas. Oh. This sanctuary. But they've never had chimps before. So cue again.
0: How do you pick a destination that is ill-equipped? I have no f***ing
1: idea. They've never had chimps before. They mostly have, like, horses and goats, like, hence Black Beauty.
0: Livestock. Yeah, yeah. a lot
1: of livestock. And so. Sophisticated
0: animals, if you will.
1: Yes. And so they're, they are doing their best, um, to house Nim, but it's not great. <laughs> he keeps, because I don't know how to house a chimp, he keeps escaping.
2: Go figure. He goes
1: into their house, sleeps in their bed. He kills their dog. Jesus. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bob is still fighting this. Bob is like, why did you send him here? I am now fighting this in Texas. They start threatening Bob with legal action. All this shit. in returns. Stephanie,
0: who oh, no. finally
1: decides that she wants to visit Nim, after all this has gone down. Oh,
0: I bet she wanted to visit Nim the whole. Time.
1: Nim sees her is very blasé, if you will.
2: Less, you know. Re- yeah.
1: It seems like he recognizes her, but not in a positive way. Oh, like oh. kind of very removed. And Stephanie, bless her soul is adamant that she wants to enter his enclosure to okay. say hi. They say, no, 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 no. And somehow they just throw her in the towel and let her do it. Nim rushes her, grabs her by the ankle, starts dragging her around his enclosure.
2: Just this, ragdoll.
1: The sanctuary workers grab a gun uh-huh. about to shoot him and he lets her go. <laughs> Good and job,
2: Stephanie.
1: And it's like, Stephanie. holy
0: s***. What it's like to have such a special relationship with Nim.
1: They did get another female chimp. She was there for about 10 years, oh. um, had some failing health. A new director at this point took over the sanctuary, started turning it around, really actually looked into what was needed to both improve NIMS situation, and it sounds like a lot of the other things going on,
2: yeah.
1: and also the vet comes back to save the day. So in 1995, the lab that's trying these vaccine studies closes. And so the vet, Dr. Mahoney, is working to try to get as many chimps out into better homes as possible. He ends up getting about 50 to 60 chimps out, two of which go to live with Nim. Oh. And Bob has been helping with this, too.
0: Okay. Bob's on board?
1: Yep. Bob visits Nim after about 12 years of separation. Nim recognizes him, starts signing play, starts running around his enclosure. Bob is like, Bob is still as far as I can tell, outside the enclosure, but they're doing Mm. their similar, like, chase kind of game.
2: Sure, sure.
1: And so Nim lives out the rest of his life at this sanctuary, dies in the year 2000. Hmm. He's only 27 years old. This is young for a chimp in captivity. He died of a heart attack. Oh, And I think it's pretty apparent that his horrific life took a toll. Well,
2: it would, like, yeah. Like,
1: everyone failed this animal. This I can't even imagine the pain and suffering this animal went through. For what? You know? Like, for this study to see if are they like us? Like...
0: It's an interesting it's, question, but the answer becomes less interesting if this is the best way you yeah. can think of to get it.
1: In captivity, the median age of a chimp is 32. Oh. Yeah. The oldest known male was 66. Oh, wow. And the oldest known female was 70. Whoa. Yeah.
2: He's
0: it's better than the Middle Ages.
1: <laughs> so yeah, Nim is part of the Twenty Seven Club.
0: Oh, bloody!
1: So, so, so this
0: was the grand inspiration for the movie that came out the year Nim died.
1: Yes, right. And so this this research uh, analysis that Herb did, he actually did stats. He actually assigned these values to these things and found ways to give it quantifying. Data values.
0: Like to quantify how often Nim is signing a complete sentence or Mm -hmm. doing.
1: Yeah, and the the paper is great. It's really fascinating. Hmm. Um, and just very much comparing to, um, like I said, to children, grammar rules, how arbitrary Nim was doing stuff, the level of manipulation. Because he has videos, he can see cues. It's all like right there in front of his face. Bob ever, like, has just constantly been adamant that chimps belong in the wild with their own species. Having these research situations are very complicated. Like, to what degree do you want to sacrifice this animal's well-being for this project? What are the, what are the things you hope to gain? Is it just this, like, you know, ego trip?
0: Because it's there.
1: Or is it actually something beneficial? Yeah. And this is coming from someone who loves comparative cognition studies. I think they're fascinating. But you know what? You can study chimps in the wild. And there are some fascinating studies on the complexity of their gestures as well as their own vocalization. And I, when I read a lot of this, I thought, if we were to go into a chimp group and try to learn their vocals and their gestures, mm-hmm. would we be successful? Would we ever consider ourselves capable of learning Ape communication effectively
0: Seems like the less anthropocentric way To answer the, or to ask the question
1: Right, and No one ever seems to really want To do that and immerse themselves in the Animals world, we all want it to be on our terms
0: Probably because it's easier to get academic Funding to say, I'm going to have yeah. an ape Doing a morning show with me, we're going to have Coffee mugs with our names on them yep. As opposed to, I'm going to go Jane Goodall it up in this rainforest for a few months Yep Make sure I have a lot of canned beans
2: so,
1: there's also Kanzi, who, uh, she's a bonobo, who they also, she's the one who they did lexigrams with, so the symbols associated with words. Hmm. They moved on to ASL, they looked at some tool making stuff, the tool making pissed me off because they're like, look, she can make these tools, but guess what? They trained her to do these behaviors to make tools, and then they gave the supplies to other bonobos who couldn't do it. And Good then, figure. Like, yeah, it, it like, it's <laughs> abs- they gave they gave materials to chimps who also couldn't do it. And so It just the, it, ugh, many problems there baffling. And then we get to Coco.
0: Everybody knows, Everybody knows Coco, Coco, the gorilla that learned ASL and met Robin Williams.
1: She met all kinds of celebrities. Like just the list goes on and on and
0: on. I just think the the signing and the kind of anthropomorphizing sequence that sticks in my mind is when they notify Coco who met robin williams in person and they played and it was whatever yeah they tell they tell coco that robin williams died yes and coco signs like Seven sad or died. something like that yeah. yeah
1: and like the person who, who's been caring for coco francine patterson is just like there's not really again a rigorous research process happening there's a ton of queuing happening where it's like right. you know Kind of like a dog, they can understand vocal information once you get, like, kind of the ball rolling with the associations and kind of bridging that gap. And so it's, like, it's been a while since I've watched the Robin Williams death announcement video. Mm -hmm. But there's other videos of, like, Coco, does that make you feel sad?
2: Right. Is that,
1: you know, are you upset? And then she signs those signs because she knows, like, she associates that word with it. And then it's, like, then she's not communicating anything. She's
2: parroting it. Yeah, she's parroting it.
1: And so one of the, and so bringing up the crazy editing and cutting of MVP,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I sent you a video of Coco. Okay. And so this video came out and was basically looking at the climate crisis. And so what they did was they had Coco sign how negative the climate crisis is, how it affects animals and people just like that. We need to take action. We need to save this earth, etc. Okay. And I want you to watch this, and I want you to tell me what your thoughts are watching
0: it. <laughs> okay. I'm
2: so excited.
0: So this is Coco's message for the Copenhagen climate, or I'm sorry, the Paris climate climate conference in 2015.
1: He's looking skeptical, unamused. I love watching your face at this
0: kind of thing. Man is stupid, Coco. Man <laughs> is stupid. Okay.
1: Your your looks are growing progressively more incredulous and skeptical and annoyed. Am I correct?
0: You're 100% right. Yeah, thank you, Coco. Good job.
1: So tell me, Norm, what did you see and what did you think about it?
0: I just watched MVP Part 2. It's Coco just running through what looks like probably all of her vocabulary.
1: Her her vocabulary was much more immense than that, but it was a, a decent number of signs, yes.
0: They shot this with coverage. Which means they set up multiple cameras with different, like, different areas of focus so they can get more of a close up and more of a wide shot in some different angles. And they did that so that they could just cut between mm-hmm. different angles as yep. a way to try to make up for the fact that they're very obviously cutting different signs together. Yes. So in no way is this Coco's message. Yes. And I seriously doubt that all of these signs were even done in the sequence in which they're presented. They were
1: not. That's why they cut
0: it. Yeah. They're not just cutting for time. They're not just cutting because they're cutting out people asking Coco questions. Mm -hmm. Coco has no idea that there's a climate conference going on in Paris in 2015. Coco's just doing these signs, and they're like, what do you think about nature, and Mm -hmm. what do you think about human? They're clearly prompting Coco, and then just snipping everything together into something that has a dramatic arc, which is Coco saying, I'm nature. Nature is beautiful. Protect nature. People are stupid. It's like they wrote a speech and then prompted Coco to do the signs so that they could cut them into an order that matched the speech that they wrote. Yeah. It's incredibly transparent.
1: Yes. And so think about that Robin Williams reaction video. What cut or part of it do you think that they left out? And that's the thing, is with Coco, there's all these videos of these heartwarming moments, but you're not seeing the bits that they cut out or how many takes it took to get that shot. And there's all of these... It's entirely subjective. Like, Francine Patterson just puts all these attributes onto Coco, which Coco knew more than a thousand words. A very impressive animal. Like, a lot of cool stuff. But, like, okay, here's an example. I guess they did text messaging with Coco. I didn't know that. But here's... (laughs) It doesn't matter. Here is a text message session. The handler says, Coco, do you like to talk to people? Coco, fine
2: nipple. Hell yeah.
1: Handler, yes, that was her answer. answer. Nipple rhymes with people. She doesn't sign people per se, so she may be trying to do a sounds like, but she indicated that it was fine. That is the level to which they're trying to stretch this.
0: So no matter what she does, they're going to turn it into, well, she was probably trying to say this, or well, that's pretty close to... Something much much more <laughs> anthropomorphized and yes. newsworthy. And the, there's a reason these videos go viral.
1: And the last thing I'm going to bring up—I mean, there's so much more I could talk about—but this is something that, like, I had zero idea about. Going back to the word nipple. Well, hell yeah! There was a lawsuit filed against Francine Patterson regarding nipples. I'm sorry. Uh huh. So apparently, Coco liked nipples. We all do. He nipples doesn't. are great. And Patterson. Very much like Stephanie with Nim, mm-hmm. catered to that and would show Coco her nipples on a regular basis.
2: That's gross.
1: She then had this belief that Coco was getting bored with her nipples <laughs> and started saying, <laughs> and started asking if she wanted to see new ones. There were two. Oh, oh
0: wow. That's there, a trap, Coco. Don't answer. <laughs> there
1: were two other caretakers, Nancy and Kendra. Francine asked these two people to show Coco their nipples.
0: Guys, I know, I know.
1: It's it's for the research.
0: It's not for me. It's for Coco.
1: The caretakers, the less their souls, refused and were fired. What? Yep. So they settled out of court. The Gorilla Foundation, un- upon like underneath which the research is happening, mm-hmm. denies allegations. Like like you would. <laughs> um... <laughs> But but yeah, nobody
0: asks these people to show their nipples
1: There to is an actual sexual harassment case regarding Coco the Gorilla. Fun Incredible. fact for all of you to take home to be and tell clear, your families. The
0: sexual harassment was on behalf of Coco. Yes. It wasn't done by Coco herself.
1: Coco is an innocent soul within this hot mess of a situation.
0: Coco thing, Bless her. people stupid, running out of time. Yes. Coco, sad. <laughs> Robin Williams, nipple.
1: So, that is the wild ride as condensed as i can make it
0: well what's crazy regarding
1: ape sign language the
0: story that you just told the the story of mvp is in many ways the story of actual noam Chimsky's life
1: it is 100% inspired by nim
0: but the filmmaking is inspired by coco's publicity department yes and how they chop these that behaviors into good. something that looks yes. like oh look ape make human ha ha norm think Stinky. Norm want nipple.
1: Oh, look, you're so fluent.
0: Yellow water nipple. No. That was, that was <laughs> the sign for beer. Oh. If you were more on board, you would have gotten that. I can't oh. sign for beer that straightforwardly.
1: <laughs> no, I actually, beer is actually this. I know beer. Hell yeah. Yeah. Someone taught me beer and you know what? It stuck.
0: Well, in that case, Cheers. I reckon it's just about time. Either that or, uh.
1: Stone smoke now. Yeah. I'm there. So. So. Is there any way you want to wrap up Yeah,
0: I want to wrap this up the way we always do. A horrible story. Terrible movie. (laughs) Based on a horrible real-life story. And
1: again, we want to stress that we don't like hating movies. It is its own art form. People were excited about it. They put a lot of effort, time into it. But it sometimes just rubs you the wrong way, you know?
0: Well, I think I would ask the same question of this movie that you asked of the research, which is, is it worth it? Is mm-hmm. this the best way to create entertainment? Mm-hmm. Would it have been that much worse if we used more camera tricks and less real life animal yeah. acting? I totally. don't know. Yeah, we may or may not ever see Batwoman or Wiley e. Coyote versus Acme. So why do we have MVP? <laughs> right. This is the world we live in.
1: Well, then we've got other eight movies we're going to watch. So hopefully, we get some better representation of how special they are as animals, and not focusing yes. on the anthropocentric side of things.
0: There are movies in which. We have great apes playing great apes as great apes,
1: mm-hmm. not Mighty Joe Young. Mighty
0: Joe Young, gorillas in the mist. There's there's a number. So I guess my question to you, Katie, is how many Katie points?
1: Okay i I thought a lot about this one because there are so many layers, mm-hmm. and I ended up for a number of reasons landing on the pug.
2: The pug. The
1: pug. Okay. Our Small, lovable,
2: brachycephalic.
1: tan-colored, black muzzle, brachycephalic thin. Hmm. So I chose a pug because you see a pug. It's cute. Oh my gosh, I like it. Look at this lovely thing. <laughs> oh, it's fun. I'm having the best time. And then when we look at the movie side of things, mm-hmm. it doesn't age well. Have you mm-hmm. ever met an old pug?
2: Dude. They're
1: gross. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, pug owners. I'm sorry, old pugs. Whoa,
2: guys, I'm sorry. They're
1: just not good. They don't age gracefully. Like it just gets worse and worse. Do it gets really bad. From the research side of things, when I'm talking about this relationship, is when you dive deeper, it gets to be this ugly, really sad thing. Aww. And that is when you're bringing up the brachycephalic, that smooshy nose that deformed skull, they can't breathe right. There's all these surgeries that will benefit them, but like, to what degree they're, mm. they're still kind of sad because living is just hard because they're built that way. And so it's like, it's presented as this great <laughs> thing. Cause
0: they're so cute.
1: When you consider it, it's, it's set, like, look at Nim Chimsky. To so, like, we took it to this level of extreme to look at ape sign language and Look at how horrifically this animal ended up.
0: So it's like Jack the Chimp on the ice. It yeah. kind of makes you giggle, and then you think for half a second, and you go, "Oh, he's not happy to be there. This is incredibly this is unnatural.
1: uncomfortable for me to watch. Why Everything is it uncomfortable? Is wrong. Yeah,
0: God never desired this. He merely allowed it. <laughs> and what kind of God would allow this type of suffering?
1: So the answer to that question is there is no God, Norman.
0: No. The answer is, there is a god, and it's Airbud Entertainment. And they have a whole <laughs> series of these.
1: Oh, can we please go smoke some weed?
0: <laughs> Alright, hang on. Stone, smoke
1: mm. now. Mm. Thank you.
0: Alright.
2: <laughs> <laughs>